and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi everyone and welcome. We're doing something a bit different today. So I am here at Redbrook Farm, Ride to Achieve, and I have Clive Milkins with me. And Clive is, um, well, I'll ask him for his official title himself in a minute, but he's an international para coach. Um, and Clive and I have been having some really fabulous conversations about coaching, about ethos around coaching, about thoughts on para, thoughts on ability um, versus disability. And uh, so we're going to have a bit of a chat today about some of those topics. So, hi. Hi. Uh, thank you for interviewing me today. It's been a very interesting discussion, I think. Yeah, sure. Okay, so what is your official title then? Well, I actually wear many hats in different countries. Yeah. My official job title is I am the technical advisor, technical leader for the Canadian para equestrian team. Okay. And then also I work for the FEI under, they have a very good uh, organisation called Solidarity, where you, um, they are, invite visiting representatives of the sport, I hate the word expert, <laughs> um, to go to developing countries. So I help develop para programmes in, at the moment I'm working mainly in Uruguay, Colombia and Bolivia. Wow. So I do that. And then in Europe and England, I'm also um, a freelance coach for para-athletes who want to use my services. Okay, amazing. So lots of different hats as always. Yeah. So we've been having some really interesting conversations over the last couple of days. We've never even met before, have we? No, but um, we sort of seem to click pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. I think we've got a lot of the same sort of ethos on things. So obviously I come from the mindset perspective and you come from all the physicality perspective, but both of them are intertwined completely. You know, you can't have one without the other. No. So it's no wonder that there's a lot of similarity in, I think, the way that we, we think about things. So what is it that drew you to para? How come you've been involved in it for so long? Quite simply, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Somebody, a great lady who is no longer with us, suggested one day that I would be quite good at coaching para-athletes. Uh, mm. I, was, I was a college student. I wasn't comfortable with teaching practice mm. and coaching people on the same level as me and I was pretty nervous about coaching mm. and so Jane said I should coach athletes with a disability and I went forget it not my scene at all so one day she said to me oh um, Clive I've got a, a visiting client coming in can you come in and coach her because I've got to go and do a phone call so I sort of shrugged my shoulders Jane was my course tutor so I said yes of course and anyway, I taught this lady. I thought she had a slightly strange position. Mm. Um, but we did some walk, trot, counter work. Um, and at the end of the lesson, Jane came back in and said, thank you very much, Clive, that'll do. And then this lady got off into a wheelchair. Mm. And everybody said to me, there you go. <laughs> you can teach disabled athletes with disability. Mm. And that was my first intro into it. And then I was at Warwickshire College and doing a little bit of a... a evolutionary para program even though we didn't know it was that at the time yeah and then unfortunately i was teaching and i had a head injury mm. and somebody shouted loose horse and i sort of looked around and went where and it ran over the top of me oh, gosh. and it left me with quite an unpleasant head injury and and i did the you know 
what we now would know is uh, P- PTSD. Mm. And unfortunately, I wasn't very well at all, and I was on the verge of losing my job. Mm. And a great lady called Di Redfern, who runs an RDA group called the South Bucks RDA group, said, come and work for me. And I said, I don't think I'm capable of working for anybody at the moment. She said, okay, come and work for me for six months. Well, I worked there for 20 years, 11 months, and (laughs) 15 days before I actually left. Mm. So that's how I started. Okay. And what is it that you love about it now? Oh, the challenge. There's always, there's always a realistic solution hmm. to a challenge if we think in different ways and we recognise that there is a solution to many things that affect us in life. Wow, okay. So what do you bring with that mindset to your coaching then? Uh, an empty mind. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, totally empty mind. obviously that's slight exaggeration (laughs) one of the things I've learned in the last few years is when you travel abroad you don't have the security of your own your own arena Mm. you don't have the security of your own horses and you don't sometimes have the security of correctly fitting equipment Mm. so one of the things I've really discovered is is not having a formula having a system of questions that I continually run through like a background program mm. and it's every single every single session I do um, I have a system mm. and it's a system and it includes hand gestures so when I'm thinking I'll do this and even doing that means shut up think and one of my expressions is God gave us two eyes, two ears, and only one mouth. And I find coaches are so keen to showcase their own abilities that very often we forget that sometimes silence is golden. Mm. Less is more. And sometimes being able to shut up and watch and go, oh, that's nice. Or, bad word I know, nice is only a six. <laughs> oh, that's really improved or wow I really like that and then you say to yourself okay why why do you like that shoulder in or that frame or that child learning riding trot on a drain pony so for me coaching is about more questions than answers always mm. and I run through the questions all the time and we had a fabulous discussion yesterday about the idea of ego in coaching, didn't we? <clears throat> oh, yes. Yeah. I'm, you, you know, it, it's pretty difficult because you're, it, it really is a challenge. You are employed because of your technical knowledge. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what your sport is. You are employed because you are supposed to be an expert, a guru. And I think one of the things that frightened me a few years ago was I'd helped Sophie to win these gold medals Mm. I would arrive at a lesson and somebody would expect me to create another world champion Mm. and of course you can't that up to them you give a little piece and once I discovered actually by asking questions and by learning and there'll be people that are watching this going yeah right actually Mm. I, I, I do my best to be quiet and humble and spend more time learning and balancing that as a as a coach who's paid to give their information, mm. I think is a challenge for most coaches. And there's a pressure with that. 
and and I one of the things I've found a way around that is by actually having my own critical friends. Critical is the wrong word, but friends that will go, okay, I know you very well. I know how you can be when you're under pressure, and not being afraid to go, Clive, you were wrong. There, could you have done it another way? Mm. And we, we, and as coaches, we feel alone because as coaches, we are expected to know. And actually, the minute you go, actually, I don't know. I have this set of tools in my toolbox. We will run through my set of tools. And I very often will try and exercise three times. Three is one of my magic words. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't happen three times, stop, reevaluate, and go again. Mm. So, and that's how I work. That's cool. I love the, the three times thing because, you know, so often a coach will just keep screaming the same thing at you. And I say it's like, you know, shouting louder in French, isn't yeah, it? You absolutely. know, it's, it's not it, 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 it's not going in. So, you know, the best traits I've seen in coaches are things like flexibility. Mm. You know, the ability to you're not paid by the word. Mm. So the ability to just be quiet and have a look. And I had a lesson with you yesterday and it was lovely to just have the processing time to work it out for myself so that it was more likely to embed and more likely to stick with me than having been taught it wrote or ridden every move, you know, being shouted at every move, do this, do that, do this, do that. And it was one thing you mentioned was the sort of the more American system and the way that it is out there, it's slightly different to the UK. Yes, it very much can be a very old fashioned army way of coaching where, um, and it's a system that works very well for them. So far be it for me to criticise, it's mm. just an observation. Mm. Very often, the clients put their horses on livery. Mm. The stable manager decides what the horse is fed, what saddle it's in, what its work regime is. You rock up and ride, and you're told what to do. Yeah. And that seems to work for them. Yeah. It's not a British mentality thing. British, the British aren't quite like that. <laughs> and I, I, one of the things I feel is very important, uh, one of my non-negotiable words is accountability mm. spent the whole of last week doing lives on accountability tell us all about that <laughs> we're all responsible for our own actions mm. and sometimes when i'm coaching i will say and you heard me say it this morning that wasn't you mm. that was the horse and one of the things we talk about in dressage is self-carriage mm. do we ever discuss mental self-carriage and that's something I'm exploring, and it's a chapter heading in my head which I've got to process and flesh out. Mm. But mental self-carriage, the ability for you as a human being to be under pressure in a dressage arena or a show jumping round or in an exam or a driving a car, and you are responsible for your own actions. Yes, there are social rules. Yes, you stop at a set of traffic lights when they're on red. Mm. Yes, if you... If you go 35 in a 30 mile an hour speed limit you are responsible for the police car that comes up and gives you a ticket you are responsible for your spe your speeding aware course as mm -hmm. I know to my cost mm -hmm. I am not perfect <laughs> my point is though that we have to be able to go this is my responsibility and I do believe the therapeutic pony the para horse the event horse the show jumping horse they ha they can if we teach them right have a responsibility because there are times when we go cross country we get it wrong and there are times when the horse just goes okay mum or dad yeah i'll sort it for you just sit there hang on and we'll get through this yeah that's a mental self-carriage and we don't think you know we talk about the technical ability to train a horse we talk about 
technical information to ride a shoulder in or ride a blind change or, or a walk test. Yeah. Actually, everybody has their own path that responsibility. The groom's responsibility is this. Yeah. Uh, the, the trainer's responsibility is that. The horse's, you know, the rider's responsibility. The parent's responsibility. It takes teamwork to make that dream work. I think. Mm. Cool. Okay, and one of the topics that we have been discussing is this concept of what I call, you know, like training hard and competing easy, which is like get all the elements in in your training. Don't just leave it to competition. Sometimes there's an environmental element or something that you can only replicate at competition, and therefore you've got to kind of see that as a training competition, perhaps. But we've been talking about, you know, um, people that leave things to chance or, yeah. you know, yeah, yes, right. Which to me says it's about planning and preparation. So tell us your thoughts on, clearly they're, they're very strong. <laughs> yeah, I, I have pretty strong opinions about rehearsal. Yeah. Um, I was not particularly good at exams as a, as a young person. One of the things that I've now realised is you don't do an exam without the planning and preparation. Luckily, my parents can't hear me say this. <laughs> um, when you do a school exam, you learn, you then do mock papers, you then do your revision, and then you do your exam. If you are going to be a stage actor, you don't, do not stand on stage and deliver Shakespeare's soliloquy without learning the words first then learning the emotions behind the words then looking at other people's interpretation and the critics and then rehearsing with the same equipment you're delivering your soliloquy on yeah dressage or riding is a sport that we dress differently mm. in training to we do in competitions and then wonder why suddenly we don't like wearing a shirt and tie when it's hot and yet those are the rules. Um, one of the things, and it's a story I tell a lot, is at the Olympics in Hong Kong, the field of play was 2 minutes 39 seconds from the warm-up arena. I visited every single steward the day before and said, please don't rush me to get me to the field of play, sorry, to get Sophie to the field of play before her test time because it was too hot. Mm. The, the warm-up arena was an air-conditioned indoor school. Mm. We had a camera and a screen in the warm-up arena, so I knew when the or somebody was watching the, the, the arena before me to know when the horse before me was doing a certain movement. Then we left the warm-up arena, went straight through, through the fans, and straight into the field of play, mm -hmm. so that the horse and the rider were the most comfortable in the heat. Mm -hmm. It's things like Sophie was particularly tall on a tall horse i'm not if she was going to warm up without her jacket on who was going to put the jacket on when did we take the bandages off did we stop refresh and then go straight into the field of play or did we stop and refresh 10 minutes before the field of play mm. so the horse had had a break the rider had a break but we were still tuned in to go around the arena um, I will do things like I have a, a certain set of pieces of music I play. So when I was working for Sophie and the British team, I would in my head play songs like We Are the Champions. Mm -hmm. I vow to be my country. Mm -hmm. They were, I wore my lucky socks. <laughs> That's the planning and preparation because if, okay, lucky socks don't mean anything, but if I didn't have them on, 
I knew they were not on and it was a stress. Get rid of the stress, wear your lucky socks, who cares if it works or not? Those are the roles I go through and timetables. You know, every single test we ever did was at 10.45. I set my watch at 10.45 because then Sophie got on at 10.25, which means I got off at 10.23, which means I got on at 10 o'clock, which means the horse had to be hand-walked 10 to 10, which means I had to have finished plaiting by half past nine, which meant I started plaiting at 10 to nine and the horse was fed, and, and I clocked backwards. And my clocks were, uh, and you know, that was the obsession I got. I, I became so, and yeah, of course things go wrong and your clock stops or whatever. But that was how I taught myself a system, which of course then evolves in time. Mm. And so I think there'll be people watching that go, yeah, I love the idea of planning and prep. I probably don't do enough of it and, and not feeling prepared and not planning picture into stress level, which you don't need. So, you know, prepare, plan, prep, get your brain to its best possible place so that then you can pull out that performance. Absolutely. What about when things, because they do, go wrong outside of that plan? You know, how do you deal with that with a rider? By sticking to your plan. Even when the plan goes wrong, mm. which of course it does, because we're dealing with riders and horses, <laughs> yeah. it, it's briefing other people beforehand. So, for example, my parents wanted to come to the London Paralympic Games. Of course they did. I didn't want, they were getting older. They'd not really travelled on the tube before. I didn't want to deal with that. And yeah. I'm sorry, but well, that's cruel. But I did not want to do So my best friend yeah. said, I will do that. Mm -hmm. I will go to your house every morning. I will get your parents across London. Mm -hmm. I will send you one text mm -hmm. that says they are here. Mm -hmm. And there it's this controlling the controllables. Yeah. And, and you have to, uh, uh, when something goes wrong, the rider falls off. Actually, the rider fall off is the start of the next plan. Yeah. So whenever there is a hiccup or an accident or, or, or a challenge to your... That's why I don't call it a formula. Yeah. Because things happen. Episodes happen. And I look at it as episodes or holistic. Yeah. If, a, if an episode happens, you immediately go into the, the, the rules of engagement for that episode. Mm -hmm. So it's you just pick out, ah, the chapter on first aid or the chapter on catching the horse or the chapter on... Your riders forgot the dressage test. Mm -hmm. And there is this thing, that, this wonderful um, three Fs, which, because we're on camera, mm -hmm. flip it, forget it, focus. You, mm. stick to, you stick to that system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so what do you do to help the rider mentally prepare? So that's your system. What about the rider themselves? Interestingly enough, the coaching is all about me. Mm. The, the riding is all about the rider. It's back to that accountability. So when I work at an international level with a rider, we have to know each other's systems. Yeah. And I do get into problems when the rider doesn't know my system and I don't know their system. Mm. So that's called communication. And one of the things that, that I do now a lot is take athletes to their first international. Mm. So therefore, like we hear at Redbrook Farm, Jo, who, who runs this place wonderfully, She's very often my groom because mm. that's something else that is a controllable. Yeah. Joe, you look after the horse. Joe knows me very well. Yeah. I know Joe very well, so she deals with the horse elements. Yeah. And so the rider has to know me. I have to know the rider. And again, responsibility. Mm. 
So it sounds as well like, you know, we have, I talk a lot about the idea of your teamwork. You can't do everything. You need to rely on other people to help you out with other elements, other experts and things, but it's bringing them together as a team. But it sounds as well, you know, it's, it's being very clear on what everyone's role is. Roles and responsibilities. Yeah. And they're written down. Yeah. They're written down. The rider's responsibility is to ride in para. The rider's carer, support system or whatever, Mm -hmm. is there to fend off the press is there to ensure that there are jelly babies for the rider to to eat. Yeah. It's the carer's role to make sure the boots are. We had a situation where the carer, lovely young girl, had put the rider's boots on the wrong feet. Oh, Nobody noticed, just thought her legs were sticking out at the wrong <laughs> angle. But it was no drama. Yeah. But it, it's everybody is very clear. And the real planning and preparation, that is the briefing beforehand. What do you think your role is in this? Yeah. And as a parent, it might be right, hand your child over half an hour beforehand yeah. go and film go and supply Clive with cheesy chips <laughs> you know um, it's breaking it down to, to that role as much as anything else yeah and I think you know a lot of those successful businesses you look at it they do it this way mm. you know we look at the top elite like you were saying international I think they do it this way and I think you know sometimes when I'm coaching grassroots riders or things and I talk about these kind of systems they think oh you know I don't need to get to that level of information and what have you but it's like but it works that's why they're at elite level that's why it's used at that level because it works so let's bring some of it in well it's funny because i because of of lockdown i've had a lot of time to reflect i've also taken on a greater role with a couple of children who are prelim quest grassroots riders Mm -hmm. and what is fascinating these are two super young people and I'm finding that I'm beginning to apply these techniques mm. so that if they arrive at a competition late, we have a quiet word. You know, really, did you think your child could perform? Because it, you were the horsebox driver. Yeah. You know, okay, yeah. And, th- and then in this case, the parents said, oh, yeah, it was an evening competition. I'd got caught out of time. Well, we know the Olympics can be in the evening or in the morning or heat training or whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is, everything is a rehearsal. The only two competitions that ever matter to me are a Paralympic Games or a World Championships. Mm-hmm. Everything else is a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that I will be using the Tokyo Games, if they happen, as a rehearsal for Paris. Mm. And I'll enjoy Paris as a reflection on what we've done to get there. But Paris will be the, what do we do next for 2028 yeah everything is a a step further forward and i love that concept as well and we've been talking about it a lot this weekend with riders of um the the difference between dwelling on what went wrong like especially when you're riding like dwelling on the thing that just you missed or it didn't happen that's not useful but at the right point in time reflecting and analyzing to be able to gain more information to have something to think about for the next time is a useful system reflection is vital mm. what went well what needs to improve how do we improve it yeah and even then it's not just the what was it and the and the how it's the it's the the taking the analytical element of it so you know exactly what it is you need to be doing or thinking mm. not just it was good it was nice because i know one of your favorite phrases is nice isn't it oh. <laughs> it drives me insane because it's a six yeah you can have a nice you can have a nice show jumping around still kick a fence out yeah and for me, it's you like it or lump it, you kick the fence out. That's no drama. But what happens over three different rounds, you kick the planks out in three different rounds. Then that's not a, an error. 
yeah. then that's becoming a training issue. Yeah. And and I keep statistical data of every single dressage test that, that Canadian riders do, and it's all on a graph. And mm -hmm. we start to look at, wow, you did really well with your medium trots. You're getting eights for it, but you are only getting sixes for your pirouettes. Mm. And that's every single competition, you're getting sixes for your pirouettes. How do we turn that six into 6.5? Mm -hmm. And you can't help... But, you know, there, there is a critical element, element of this. And I'm, I'm, I know dressage judging is said to be subjective. And of course it is, in many ways. But over three different judges, three different occasions, when they say the same thing, there is a statistical element in that. Yeah. And, and Jane Goldsmith always said, you know, you, you get a six of something, it's no drama. Yeah. If over three different occasions, consecutive occasions you get the same comment and the same mark, then there is clearly a training thing that needs to be addressed. Mm. And that's when three different people say the same thing, or in show jumping you have a foot in the water three times, or cross country you have a run out of an arrowhead three times. Then it isn't a mistake, it's yeah. a statistical yeah. thing. And I think, you know, people that are at the top of the game are doing stuff like that. People lower down think, oh, that's a lot of hassle, a lot of effort, or, you know, I'll just keep going and I'll get better. Yeah, how? It's a wonderful word. How are you going to get better? The facts are in front of you. If you don't agree with the facts, that's fine. But the facts are there. Your dressage sheets are factual data as that judge sees them. When three judges see it at prelim or, or, or intro or whatever, there's an, there's an issue there. Mm. And I mean, that's using something I've been talking about recently, is using competition as feedback, which is a mechanism of feedback. But it's absolutely not the only mechanism of feedback to improve your training, is it? So you could no. get better without ever competing. Could oh, you? totally. And if you're going to be doing that, how would you suggest that someone goes about tracking and tracing that kind of element and looking at the process and not the product itself? Actually, one of the things I do is, is film the lessons. And even if you don't film them, have a dictaphone by your coach. Listen, and then if you have lessons with two or three different coaches, they say the same thing. Yeah. They'll probably come up with a different set of solutions perfect you've got bigger toolbox mm. but you you listen to your coaching your coaches and i've been doing experimenting a lot recently with zoom lessons mm. and they've been fantastic because we've actually I, I have a client in a different country and i've given her more lessons mm. in the last 10 weeks because i haven't had to go over there for a week at a time i've actually given her two lessons a day you know for the last 10 weeks and and then and then you start being you know and it's choosing a, it's choosing a subject, whether it's a short neck or uh, incorrect bend. It, it's that you choose that chapter heading and you start marking it for yourself. Because, you know, there's a range of movements laid out for you. If you write a centre line for yourself and you write ten of them and you give it a mark, you've got an average set of marks. It doesn't matter what the mark is. You can mark it out of 157 if you want to quite why you would the math the maths would be uh, horrendous to work that out but if you give it a mark and you write 20 if the mark is the same as it was at the beginning you've got a challenge on your hands yeah and and that's spat and spat and potting there's a bit of that isn't it pattern spotting all about pattern. all about pattern yeah. spotting it's the same with mindset it's about spotting patterns Absolutely. and going that's something you do a lot what you yeah. need to help psychology technically is the study of behavior yeah well, we've got <laughs> wonderful opportunity with horses and people to, to follow that. You know, soccer, they'll say, he does that every week. Well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? So thanks very much, Clive. That has been 
really interesting. We haven't got onto the really big juicy topic that I'd like to, and I think we'll do that another day because that will be a whole whole Q&A in itself, which is about the idea of ability, not disability, and focusing on what you can do, not what you can't. So we won't get into that now. But if people want to get a hold of you, ask you a question, what you're involved in, I think, how can they get hold of you at the moment? Um, the best thing to do is I have an email address, mm -hmm. which is clivemilkins at me.com. Yep. Because at the moment I'm in, I'm changing uh, my social media platforms at the moment. Okay. So I don't have a telephone number um, that can be used yep. and I don't have a Facebook page at the moment. So yeah, clivemilkins at me.com. And obviously if anybody wants to contact Jenny and Jenny will forward anything on to me. Yeah, absolutely. So put your comments below this video or um, drop me at Flying Changes an email or anything like that or a DM and I'll, I'll contact um, Clive or put you in touch. That'd be great. Thank you so much, Clive. It's absolutely okay. fascinating. Can't wait to spend another couple of days learning some more. Looking forward to it. And uh, we look forward to some more of this in the future. Thank you very much. Thank it's you. all about evolution. <laughs> And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us and we look forward to you listening in to our next one. Bye, everyone. Who got this? You got this? You know you're going to rock this? Who got this? You got this?